0: You can find more information, photos, and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sararaven.com. Welcome to the final episode of our mini series on gardening with me, Arthur Parkinson, and my good friend Sarah Raven. In this last episode we're going to be talking about something I am incredibly potty about, it's pots, or to be a little bit more professional, containers. And the reason I love containers is because of the access they give to anybody, whether all you've got literally is a house, maybe with a windowsill or maybe not, maybe you've got a patio, maybe you've got a small terrace garden, or just a front garden, or maybe you've got a massive sprawling gorgeous long garden that's divided into lots of different sections. Pots allow an amazing diversity and grandeur, actually, of plant possibilities. And of course, pots include house plants, which is one of the most up and coming sections of, of gardening, so indoor gardening, but of course, it is all in pots. But what I love increasingly is when I'm going about the place, I see more and more containers in school playgrounds, around hospitals, on stations. I was at a station this morning and there were some lovely, quite big raised beds planted with rosemary and lavender. And the bigger pots are, the more possibilities there are in terms of growing in them. Really do not feel like your gardening prowess is limited if all you can do is have pots. Personally, if someone was to give me a choice, I think now I probably would choose to garden in pots rather than in the ground because there's no back breaking. You're not having to bend your knees all the time. It's more hip height if you choose to garden in dolly tubs and old dustbins, which is what I do all the time. And I think that's my main rule when I'm thinking about pot size. Go for the biggest pot you can. So even if all you've got is a windowsill, honestly, really research the market and find a window box which really fits what your windowsill can hold. Obviously, you have to think a little bit about weight because you don't want something that's going to mean that your balcony or windowsill comes crashing off for your house. Your landlord won't be happy with you if that happens or your husband or your wife when they get home from work. So think about that. Also, the biggest thing I must say at this point is all pots need what we call drainage holes. And basically, that is holes at the bottom. And that allows excess water to drain away. If they don't have holes in them, they become swamps. And it's amazing how quickly... With just a few days of rain, your pots without draining shoals will literally look like aquatic wetlands, and we don 't want that particularly for bulbs that'll rot within um, the space of a week if they 're soggy and So, when I first got to Perchill actually i don 't remember Sarah having that that many pots. she always had lovely big pots of Agapanthus lining the path of the oast garden, and Agapanthus, like amaryllis, love pots because they like to be root bound. A lot of plants like them that come from desert areas or mountainous regions where their roots haven't got lots of soil to root in will really love the comfort of a pot. But on the other hand, if you're growing something like a dahlia or a cosmos in a pot, that will like to be fed a lot and like to have really rich soil. So soil is really important for pots because obviously it's a condensed environment. In the summer, you'll have to feed almost every fortnight with a, a good seaweed feed, and you'll have to enrich the soil as well. As each season comes to an end, you're normally going to have to get a nice bit of fresh peat-free compost or homemade compost and enrich your pots as you're repotting them for seasonal displays. Or if it's a permanent display, like you might have a shrub in a pot, like a nice um, cornice, you'll just have to take the top layer of soil off and then put some fresh around it. So there's always a bit of fresh goodness going into that pot. So Sarah, what are your favourite pot plants at the moment? Gosh,
1: well... Inspired by you, really, honestly, I like dahlias and pots more Mm. and more and more. I just think, well, tulips and dahlias, I mean, they're my two favourite plants in the plant world, but they also happen to be my two favourites for pots. I just adore that thing that you can get with tulips really crammed in, that you do in layers or like lasagnas. So you have two or three layers with about four inches, you know, sort of a hand's breadth of depth of compost between them, or less than half a hand's breadth, actually. And I just love that you get such abundance if you do the layers like that with tulips. And then with dahlias, I adore combining dahlias with an annual climber. So like a Tumbergia, which is a black-eyed Susan, or Rhodochiton, which is the purple bell vine, or perhaps even for a really big container, Cabea Scandens, the cup and saucer plant over dahlias. But definitely it was you that inspired me with whopper pots. And I remember walking into the yard at the Emma Bridgewater factory in Stoke-on-Trent. And there you did have your dustbins and your dolly tubs, etc. But the thing that just absolutely blew me away was this huge raised bed, which was basically been treated just like a big container. Yeah, And you'd got a teepee. Or two teepees in the middle to give height, which I would really recommend for a big pot because it gives you height as well as scale. And then around those, you had massive kales. You had kale red boar, which just had such incredible impact and is so incredibly easy to look after and doesn't get eaten by the cabbage white caterpillars because it's so bitter to them, I think. (laughs) And then around that, you had dahlias and you had the wonderful variety, totally tangerine and waltzing Matilda and Bishop of Auckland which I think is your um, Arthur's doorstep collection. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then around that you had things like nasturtiums, no, wallflowers to start with, and then I think you replaced them with nasturtiums trailing down. Mm. And um, I mean, that was a whopper pot. It It was a raised bed, but you could break that down into a family of pots. So you could have the teepee in one with the climbers. You could have the dahlia in the next, and then you could have some smaller ones all the way around the edge with the smaller things. And, that's the thing is I think, think big, don't think dotty, think big. And that doesn't mean necessarily big pots, but think of the pots making a family. So it doesn't get busy. It's still stylish, beautiful, rich, exotic, but not busy. And that's certainly something that you've helped me perfect so much at Perch Hill. And of course, I must mention here, Josie, who's our head gardener, who came from a garden center background and she's absolutely fanatical and and adores and is brilliant at her pot combinations and actually it was her who taught me this thing not just about color which is my obsession but also that one has to think about form obviously you've got to think about scale and you can't plant a little pansy next to a sunflower that's six foot tall because that wouldn't work so you've got to think about scale but form is something that I think about increasingly when I'm putting together pot combinations. And so I think of something as being my thriller, which is like the dahlia. So, you know, that's something really amazing, dominant, sort of wow factor, the diva somehow. Um, So that's the thriller. And then something in a very similar color probably, so it doesn't get too fussy in terms of color, I would go for something like a filler. But that could be like with a dahlia, totally tangerine. One of my favourite combinations was backing that up with the wonderful grass that we're both crazy about called Panicum Frosted Explosion. And oddly, the colour of that, of the grass backlit, is almost the same colour or tonally very similar to the dahlia, totally tangerine. So that was a filler in that pot. And then I had a really tall plant, which is Salvia Amistad. So that was for a whopper pot. It was a water trough just outside the school. And that was what I call my pillar, So I've got my thriller, dahlia, totally tangerine, my filler, panicum, uh, frosted explosion, also called sparkling fountain, and then a pillar, which was a salvia amistad. And then sometimes I would also add something, particularly if it's a table centre pot, which spills out the side and down onto the table so I don't spend my whole time when I'm sitting at the table looking at the side of the pot rather than at the plants. And that's what you call the spiller, and they all begin, I mean, end, not begin, with E-R, so it's easy to remember. So you've got thriller, filler, pillar, and spiller. And if you think of your plants that you're selecting in terms of form as well as colour, I, I just feel you're on a winner, really. And, I mean, you had the most wonderful combination in a shady spot outside your Gloucestershire house which had exactly that, um, tell us about that, which had beautiful colour and form, yeah. perfectly combined.
0: Well, it was it was an idea I got from you. Previous summer, you'd used this beautiful new petunia called Red Velour. Mm. And the nice thing about all the, the traditional bedding is they're perfect for pots. They don't have massive roots. Um, but they're being bred in such more voluptuous, gorgeous colours that me and you both adore. So I had that petunia and another one also, I think called lime, just called lime green. I think it's called. They were together as the yeah. spillers.
1: That's uh, a sophisticata, Isn't it? It's yeah, called, yeah, yeah.
0: And then as as the filler, I had the panicum sparkling fountain and. They're really good in pots because all grasses, are, they don't need much feeding. So you can always pair annual grass with something that's a heavy feeder in a pot like a dahlia. And they're not then going to compete with each other. So that's why I use them all the time in pots. And then I had two Nicotianas as the frillers and also the pillars. Yeah. Um, a new Nicotiana called Baby Bella, mm. which is the most gorgeous terraced house brick red. Mm. and the Lime Green, and they both really bounced off each other. Mm. And then lastly, as um, a different texture and also another pillar, slightly taller, I had the Amaranth Red Army, yeah. which was really beautiful and quite cloudy, stopped it looking too airy-fairy, and that was on a, a, a lane, actually, Um, which is really shady, didn't get much sun. Yeah, I know, and it
1: was beautiful. Yeah, it went on and on. The combination of the crimson with the acid green Mm. or the soft limey green, you know, quite sort of paler green, uh, was absolutely stunning. And one of the things you've really encouraged me to do is to actually grow quite large plants in pots, Mm. but bonsai them by just pinching them out. And both the amaranth, red army and the kale red Boar, which is something that we both grow from autumn into spring pots if you keep pinching it and pinching it and pinching it you can actually contain it so that it's the most wonderful crimson foliage and then there's another kale called curly scarlet which actually is a little bit smaller than red ball anyway mm. but by pinching that it just bulks up and bulks up so it goes out rather than up and um, it gives real impact in terms of containers And the other thing that I've really come around to a lot is using perennials in pots so that there are absolutely some that you plant every year and you know your tulips and everything but to keep cost and work down not all of them should be need to be planted every year and we're doing quite a trial this summer actually of perennials for pots but I really recommend these dwarf budliers for that. Mm, so beautiful. the, the um, oh gosh, what's that series called? Buzz Lavender, Buzz series, yeah. And we've had that for years now in a long tom and I just put in little plugs of Pelargonium atora of roses and the heliotrope, one of the heliotropes, so that I've got scent and sort of extra colour just dotted through. But the structure there is there from one year to the next. With the budlier, and that makes it so low maintenance. And the the few things that I'm trying this year in terms of perennials for pots, um, one is a tucrium, which is evergreen, a sort of su- sub shrub, you know, more like a kind of rosemary. And also, I'm going to try a sea lavender too, um, because not only are they perennial, but they dry. And so I tried an annual stachys uh, for the same sort of effect. In the summer of twenty twenty one but for twenty twenty two I'm going to try the perennial sea lavender because it's airy and light, and even though of course it has its colour in the summer with mauve shades or whatever, but then it dries and then it's got this beautiful skeleton which is left right the way through the winter, so um I think perennials for pots is a good way to go
0: yeah, and again, I mean they're perennial, but they're also edible and so helpful for the kitchen. I think all the herbs yes Um, rosemary and i'm i'm becoming really crazy about mint i want scent more and more particularly in you know flower arrangements i just love that scent you get and they love to be pot bound they love to they love to actually be on the dry side yeah so you know if you're someone who's maybe you've got a, a second home or maybe you you know you want long weekends away herbs are just they'll suit neglect and they love to be baked on windowsills and most of them are very tolerant of wind so perfect windowsill plants. Yeah. And if you let them flower, the bees love them. Oregano. So, yeah, absolutely. Marjoram. yeah, um, Beautiful. Couldn't think of anything easier. And of course, if you don't drill holes in them, a lot of the big containers like dolly tubs and even cattle troughs make fantastic water features. Um, yes. And just like wildflower meadows, our wetlands are in decline. So we need to increase the amount of water we've got in our gardens. And if you put aquatic plants in them, they quickly develop their own infiltration system. You can get these wonderful little solar uh, powered fountains now, which are fantastic, means you don't get mosquitoes. Um, mm. So, yeah, mini- miniature water lilies. So the possibilities are endless. And mm. um, as Sarah said, cram your pots together. I always think about the wedding cake look. So you have your biggest pots in the middle and mm. then the smaller ones tiered around them so mm-hmm. they look you know they're voluptuous and on mass rather than dot 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 you know because the smaller the pot is the quicker it will dry out so that's something to think about in the summer as a rule i tend to have a lot more smaller pots for my spring display and then as the spring bulbs go over they're just all stacked up in a corner and i just replant my biggest pots for the summer display it makes maintenance watering feeding a lot easier mm. Mm.
1: And I think give your plants a stage. So I'm forever driving past sort of not junk shops, but sort of bric-a-brac shops Mm. or whatever. And whenever I see a metal table, I always tend to (laughs) stop and buy it because it's just like that lifts the pot, even if it's small or a collection of pots, up to a much sort of more viewable level. And so give your plants a stage. Um I mean, oh, yeah. your pots a stage. It, it just works really, really, really well, I think. And deadhead, feed, water, feeding. We found at Perch Hill that uh, we tend to use a liquid seaweed fertilizer and we do normal concentration from the end of June. So as it says on the back of the bottle, and then by the end of August, we really quite often, particularly with more smaller pots or like window boxes where they haven't got much root depth we will actually move to double concentration and even if you've got something like the petunia you mentioned tidal wave red velour or the other one called tidal wave silver which really will flower until november what we find with them is if we actually move to triple concentration which sounds crazy but feed them once every 10 days with triple concentration we can actually sometimes keep them going right into winter
0: yeah, I could believe that. And and dahlias in pots, I find, are especially hungry. Yeah. In fact, last summer, I didn't do any dahlias at home in Nottingham because my mum was having to look after that garden. And we did annuals, cosmos, panicums, Rebecca's. And my mum did admit, she said, can we can we do annuals from now on? Because yeah. dahlias are incredibly hungry and thirsty in pots, I will admit that. But okay. I couldn't live without them. But for, for ease of maintenance, the annual display, just using um, cosmos and things, that is a little bit less on the feeding and watering.
1: Yeah. And I suppose finally, well, Arthur talked at the beginning about kind of mixing up colour and having the palettes that we love so much with the rich. But if you wanted mm-hmm. just a white container, just monochrome, just white for some, you know, really calm spot in your garden, I do think it's hard to beat the mini Cosmos called is it called dwarf sensation i think
0: a fizzy fizzy white oh that's, one I really that's love. a
1: lovely one too yeah, yeah. and then the annual flocks uh, 21st century white and then maybe um an osteospermum like yeah. the achilla purple eye and that i found i did a trial of that maybe 15 years ago now and we repeat it every year because it's just so reliable so it, you know for real calm those are good plants to go for I think that's quite enough. If I was a beginner, I would begin to feel that we're overloading people. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to the five parts of our mini series. And there are podcast notes for every single one of them with the details of all the names of the plants or anything that we mention. And we'll put references to the books we mentioned. And, you know, everything and anything that, that we talk about, we will include And of course there is on the website, all the month by month guides to what you want to do. And if you're on our email list, you'll get a weekly reminder of the jobs that we're doing in the garden at that very moment. And as Arthur kindly mentioned, there are on the website, all the videos that I have been doing, and I hope he's going to be doing quite a lot of those this year too. So there we are, get out and garden.
0: find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahaven.com.